welcome to the 528th episode of Travel Witch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and we are in the 12th season of Travel Witch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And tonight, we welcome back to Travel Itch Radio my longtime friend and colleague, Nick Contis. Welcome to the show, Nick. Dan, Mary Ellen, we, we, we meet again on Travel Itch Radio, and it's going to be a great, <laughs> great, great episode and I would really like to tell you guys where I am if you guys want to know. Yeah, that's my first Ooh. question. So, yes, sir, we would like to know. Okay. So since you're going to ask me that, I had a feeling you might want to know where I'm at. So I am celebrating the Day of the Dead Week at the Guaycura Boutique Hotel, Beach, and Spa in Todos Santos. That's a big, 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 a lot, a lot of words for a hotel. In uh, Todos Santos, Bahasur, and... Um, I'm going to be a judge tonight at the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead Festival. So I'm going to, I guess I'm going to judge the, uh, the costumes. Should be uh, fascinating. That sounds like fun. Huh. You've huh. visited more than 100 countries. I don't know how you keep track, but isn't that getting more difficult with all the conflicts in the world? I'm thinking about Israel and well, Ukraine, for starters. True on one hand, but, but look at the summer. What do they, what they, what they call it? Revenge travel? where everyone said, I'm going <laughs> to travel to the iconic places that I missed during COVID. I mean, spots like, I guess it's always like this, but it seems I saw pictures of the Acropolis in Athens. I said, oh, my God, no way. I'll never travel in July or August in Europe, you know, at least iconic spots. But look at Santorini, Mykonos, Venice, Cinque Terre, Barcelona. They were like jam-packed. So, yeah, as far as conflicts go, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be jumping to visit Israel right now, and I guess now the whole region is probably uh, um, for tourism, and we're just going to travel to the bordering nations even. But again, you know, you're asking a guy who will travel anywhere, so, um, you know, as long as there's food, drink, and locals to get acquainted with, I'm in. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, uh, it is a tumultuous time right now, that's for sure. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were born in Greece and now live in San Francisco, so how many languages do you speak? Uh, well, I'll tell you first that when I was born on San Trinity Island in Greece, my father was from Patras in the, in the Peloponnesus. It was just another big rock in the Aegean, not the supermodel that it is today. At three years old, I was brought to San Francisco. You know, immigrants back in the day were in search of the American dream. Um, seems like one brother always left uh, out of four, left the, you know, the old country, and then came to the new world. Um, I'm spending more time now in Mexico than I am in California, so I do speak some Spanish. Of course, I speak Greek, and obviously I speak English. You're a travel writer for USA Today, flagship of the Gannett chain, but also an award-winning photojournalist. Tell us about some of your favorite pictures and how you got them. Well, I'll tell you a few that were from this year. Penguins. I went to, uh, I joined Cork Expeditions to South Georgia Island on a uh, a photo safari, penguin photo safari, and man, it was just incredible. So, you know, they're they're really you know amazing to film when you when you get them in the right uh, backgrounds. Oh, they're just wonderful. Um, 
safaris. I, I love I love uh, I love safaris in Africa. Uh, indigenous people, all all people in general, in a natural setting, I would say. Um, someone uh, took my Pentex K70 and took a photo of me about six feet from a silverback gorilla in Volcanoes National Park in Rwanda. Wasn't my photo, but that's a favorite photo of mine. Um, you know, so many, so many uh, wonderful places in the world. We'd also like to know about your awards, Nick. How many, how often, any recent ones? Oh, God, I've got, I guess I've got about, uh, about seven. Um, I'm not focused so much on awards, you know, to be honest. I mean, I, I have them, and they're wonderful. Accolades, fantastic, right? And you know, your peers recognize you, and I do believe that is wonderful. But uh, don't get me wrong, but, you know, travel clubs like SATW and NACHA, they're fantastic. But, you know, to be honest, I seek experiences and encounters on the road and, you know, makes life more fulfilling, and um, that's what gets me going. We are talking tonight with travel writer Nick Contis. Nick, getting back to Dan's earlier comment about conflicts, have you ever been caught in one or in any incident that's made you feel uncomfortable when you're on the road? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was on safari, I guess, near miles from the Westfield bombing in uh, September of 2013 in, in, in Kenya. And, uh, you know, Peter Greenberg uh, has a funny uh, take on that. Not a funny take on that, but, uh, but a take on that, that. That you can be in an area where there's conflict and things can be fine just in the outlying regions. Hmm. Now, your book is called Going Local, Experiences and Encounters on the Road. What's in it? Can you tell us a little bit? How big is it? Is there a new edition coming out? Oh, uh, we. my computer is saying that Nick has lost us temporarily. We've lost him. I'm sure he'll call back in. And when he does, we will put him right back on the air. He's in Mexico right now, so that might explain mm. what the issue is. But hopefully he'll call us right back. And as soon as I see him on the computer screen, I will put him through. In fact, here he is right now. Okay, Nick, you're back. Guys, I don't know if it was an omen, but in the background they're playing Living La Vida Loca. So I don't know what happened to us, but uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <sighs> well, I, I wanted to ask about your book. It's called Going Local, Experiences and Encounters on the Road. Could you tell us, our listeners, what's in it, how big it is, and isn't there a new edition coming out? Uh, yeah, guys, I'm uh, in the midst of a second edition, and um hope to have it out by, by spring or even sooner. Well, I attempt to teach, preach, inspire, want to get off the couch and immerse into the world, um, you know, it's crazy with all the apps out there to help you uh, help you plan your travels. It's never been so easy to travel. Uh, the advent of Airbnb, home exchange, park surfing, so many places for accommodations, discount airlines. I mentioned that uh, you can volunteer on your travels. That's wonderful. Important aspects I include are sharing a meal with locals and how to do it, choosing an operator that guides people in a sustainable manner. I interview some icons um, in travel, such as um, Don George, Tony Wheeler, Richard Bangs, uh, new and old, various um, 
various uh, travel writers and uh, experts in their fields and various fields of travel. And I'll tell you an interesting tidbit, an interesting story that I, that I, uh, that I tell people. When I was young traveling in Kathmandu, you had to go to a phone booth. You had to go to a post office to get into a phone booth to make a phone call to call your parents. And about five years ago, in Uluru, in the outback of Australia, my wife calls me. She says, what are you doing? I said, I'm on a camel ride. She says, I don't believe you. There's no camels in Australia. You're not on a camel ride. We FaceTime. <laughs> Imagine how things have changed where you can, you can, someone can call you and you can show them where you are on your phone. When I had to go to a post office to make a phone call when I was young. <laughs> That's so true. Now, is that your only book or do you have more? For now it is, but I'm, 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 um, I'm toying with some other ideas for travel books. You know, again, what I want to do is just really showcase that travel is possible mm. and safe. I love that. As fellow travel journalists, we're curious, what percentage of the time do you travel and what percentage of the time are you home? And can you actually write while you're on the road or do you just take notes, tape interviews, write when you get back? How do you do it? Well, for me, definitely the, the latter. I'm not a young backpacker like I once was. I do need breaks. You know, God bless you know, the, the 20-somethings that can be digital nomads and even into their, you know, as far as their 40s. But, you know, I'm, I'm out, of that, out, out of that world. So I need some breaks. I'm living more at my beach house 90 miles north of Puerto Vallarta than I am in California nowadays. I'd say I'm attempting six months in Mexico, two in California, and four months traveling. But definitely, I need that time. Um, I need that time where I stop traveling to write and to organize photos and, and get it all together. I write when I'm stagnant, I guess. <laughs> now, newspaper advertising revenue is shrinking, shrinking sharply in these days of electronic and social media. Has that hampered your professional game plan? I think it's probably hampered anyone who's That's serious about this right. profession. Um, Everybody. I mean, it, uh, it does get more difficult, doesn't it? But, you know, mm-hmm. you need to adapt to other ways, um, blogs, websites. You know, there's other, other ways to publishing online. Um, yeah, print and newspapers are uh, solely fading, I guess, aren't they? You know, one must be creative is all I can say, right? That's right. We're talking tonight with travel writer Nick Contes. Nick, you live in San Francisco, which is one of the most popular cities on the planet. But do you live in town or in the nearby suburbs like Sausalito? Okay, I'm going to tell you guys another story. When my wife told me about 10 years ago, let's live more in our Napa property and, and leave the city. I said, what are you, crazy? I'm not leaving San Francisco. I was, I'm, San Francisco made me a global explorer. I'm not leaving. Leaving from Napa? Are you crazy? And now, and nowadays, I love it. You know, when we get, I get to SFO, I can't wait to cross the city and be in my lovely little wine country where nobody bothers you. It's so peaceful, and it's only an hour from San Francisco, so it's easy to go back and forth when I need to. So I'm spending more time actually outside of the city. And if you're like me, Nick, you've had problems with weather and natural disasters. I've been in three earthquakes, several blizzards, a tornado, and even snow in the Bahamas. Have you had any similar experiences? Well, Dan, one thing, speaking of the Napa Valley, you know, the last few years, I can say I survived a flood, an earthquake, and numerous fires. Um, In Mexico, I try to avoid September and October, which is hurricane season, and, of course, 
September, October, the best months in almost anywhere north of Mexico in the northern hemisphere. But um, I've been snowed in a couple of times in New York, which is really a pain. But um, nothing, nothing to uh, the 89 earthquake, Dan. I was, in the, I was at the Giants A's game at the World Series. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, do you find locals friendly or unfriendly when they find out you're American? Um, you know something? I don't have a problem normally. I, I still believe this. Look, probably somewhere around 8 out of 10 people, I'll bet you, 8 out of 10, at least, at least what, I've, what, I've, what I've discovered in my travels, 80% people are pretty good folks like you and I don't want to harm you. They want uh, a roof over their head. They want their children to go to uh, a decent schools, food. And I don't think we're all that different, really. I believe that a lot of people are intrigued by Americans. I don't get a lot of anti-American sentiment, to be honest with you. Not too much. Mm-hmm. So how do you cope with all the airline travel you do? And don't you have issues with delays, baggage, and even customs when going from country to country? Uh, don't even start me. Here we're, here, <laughs> I, yeah, I had a feeling that we we're going we're to get to something like this. You know something? For someone who travels as much as I do, I'm telling you something. The whole process from getting an Uber to the airport, I just – and then the, the TSA, what's, what's, in my, what's in my shoes? Why am I taking out my computer for? You know, and I should know better. I know you have to do this. I know I travel all around the world, but I don't get it. I just, the whole process, the delays, and I guess uh, that's the price of 9-11. You know, everything uh, got worse from there. I remember used to, I would ask the flight attendant, would you ask the, ask the pilot if I could maybe sit in the cockpit for, for the landing or the takeoff? Sure, come on in. Would, would, would I do that nowadays? No, they probably had me arrested like uh, as soon as we uh, hit, hit ground. <laughs> Good point. You're listening to Travel Edge Radio now in our 12th season with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. Check us out on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com or visit the Travel Edge Radio Facebook page. And we're talking tonight now, with travel writer Nick Contis. Yes, Nick. So what advice would you give to someone going abroad these days? Are there any places you would avoid, like the plague, or any you would recommend? I don't know. You're, you're, you're probably asking the wrong guy on that. Sure, maybe some <laughs> places like, like Yemen or Eritrea or North Korea, uh, maybe not the safest places, but, you know, people go there, and, you know, there's people, there's folks who have been to every country. They've been there. Mm. Um, I would never say not go, maybe proceed with caution. And, then, and again, you know, ask, talking about the State Department, for example, you know, when they say not to go somewhere, I get more intrigued. So maybe that question was, uh, was uh, not meant for me. Mm. You know, I, I just want to throw something in here. Um, I was talking to someone at the Ukrainian Catholic University in Lviv, in Lviv, and I said, what can we do for you? How can we help? And he said, come visit. And I almost fell off the chair. But it's true. Travel accomplishes a lot. It does. It does. It changes like nothing else, doesn't it? Yep. Yes. Well, anyway, if you're like me, you've had your share of embarrassing moments. Would you care to share some? Oh, boy. Let's see. Well, sure. Um, One would be, Showing up at LAX for a flight to Bali on Garuda, Indonesia, Indonesian airline, and being denied boarding due to the fact that I had under six months remaining 
on my passport. Many countries will not let you in if you've got under six months left on your passport. Um, oh, who knew that? Once, I didn't in, know that. once in Rio, once in Rio, I was having such a good time that I showed up at the airport a day before my flight, and they told me, they mentioned to me, United mentioned to me, Mr. Contis, your flight is tomorrow. I guess I kind of, oh, great, I go back to the beach, went back to, went back to the <laughs> Um I did, um, I did, oh, guess what happened to me last year? I, I probably shouldn't have attended Bottle Rock, a music and rock festival, uh, a music and food festival, sorry, in the Napa Valley, right before going to the northernmost um, Arctic capital in the world, Longyearbyne, for a uh, Arctic sailing of, 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 of Svalbard. Uh, the good doctor told me and my wife tested us today. And I go, oh, we called us in. And I go, oh, he's going to give us our papers. Great. He's going to say, have a great trip. He's Colombian and you know, my wife speaks Spanish. And we're going to say, oh, he's going to tell us, have a great time, guys. No, he said, you two are not going on the journey. So we had COVID. We had COVID right before our cruise. But there's a silver lining there. We came back and took the cruise in August for two weeks. We lost one week. And we came back for two weeks. But, yeah, I guess that's an embarrassing moment. <laughs> I hope you're feeling better. And, and yeah, also, I, that I, was yeah, last year. Oh, well, Dan will not forgive me if I don't ask you this. Do you find time to pursue your passion for baseball on the road? I know you love the Giants and you hate the Dodgers. Yeah, that's you know it's a funny thing though. I don't hate the city of Los Angeles. I like LA mm-hmm. a lot. My wife's, from, my wife's from L.A. My wife's an, an L.A. Mexicana. I love L.A., but it's just we have this something that's instilled in you as a native San Franciscan from a young age, and that is to hate the Dodgers. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> I'll say this, Dan. Dan, Dan, and you know what I'm going to say, right? If the Giants don't make the playoffs, what's the, the best day of the year when the Dodgers are eliminated? Then it's, it's, oh, yeah. It should be a holiday in San Francisco when the Dodgers are eliminated the next day. But here, here's something. I will say this, though. Traveling as a sports fan, there's another way to travel. Immerse with locals. Go, go to bars in the city that you're in. You, you know, you're a Braves fan. I spend the weekend in Atlanta. You know, we, we, you know, we talk baseball. We don't really have a big rivalry, so everything's fine. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's wonderful to travel for sports. If that's your passion, why not? Mm-hmm. And how about a participation sports like skiing? Do you do, you do that? Yeah, I, I, I try to still be active. Um, I ski and I surf, and I, I'm a diver. Um, in Mexico, I'll paddleboard a lot and I kayak. I live in a, I live in a, in, a, in, a, in a quiet bay, so the water's not so rough. Um, I enjoy discovering a destination by biking it. I bike around, I don't know, iconic cities like where have I biked? London, New York, um, Rio. I love biking a city. You can just stop off, you know, stop off, have a coffee, have a, have a drink, and, you know, mingle with locals. So, yeah, I, I try to stay active, yeah. Sports is a part of my life, absolutely. Hmm. Well, at Travel It's Radio, we've just done consecutive shows featuring railroads, the Mount Washington Cog and Vacations by Rail. We know trains are probably the best and least expensive way to get around Europe. Do you agree? Mary Ellen, I'm a huge fan of trains. I think traveling oh. by train is is maybe possibly my my favorite means of transportation. Slow things down. You don't see a destination flying over it, right? And now, as for mm-hmm. Europe goes, 
shouldn't every young adult be given a URL pass like I did? Yeah. Wander aimlessly from country to country? Go ahead. Do what I did. Run with the bulls in Pamplona or not. Find love in Sweden. I don't know. Gawk at the Alps. Take a cooking class in Naples. You know, hop on and off train when you're young with a, with a, with a URL pass, I think has changed my life. You know, it spawned a greater interest in travel. Leaving Greece and bumming around Europe when my parents said, you're going to stay with relatives and not go anywhere. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm out of here. And I, I did from 16 years on, and I started traveling Europe by, by, by train. Oh, enviable. We're talking think, tonight um, with travel writer think, Nick Contis. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul, Nick. Go ahead. Didn't Paul Thoreau get an impressive goal to travel from England to Asia by train? It is possible. Yes, it is possible. Oh, it's, it's dreamy, too. Oh, yeah, and there's so many movies with trains in them. Around the World in 80 Days, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I could go on and on. Absolutely. Well, yep. Nick, you do many expeditions, but the last one, circumnavigating Newfoundland with Adventure Canada. What was that like, or do you usually take press trips or go solo? Well, I do both. But, um, you know, as I get older, I'm, I'm discovering a new, a new passion for expedition trips. Another, another, another way, I, and another, another means of travel like trains that I'm, I'm really enjoying. Now, um, sailing with under 200 passengers, utilizing uh, manageable, purposely built ships that bring you closer to shore, where zodiacs can bring you to the shore, viewing flora and fauna. Now, as for Adventure Canada, what a stellar company. And I, the, the journey that I did, they, they do a lot of the high Arctic in Canada. They do the, 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 they, they do the, the Northwest Passage. They do the... Um, they do, um, Greenland, Iceland, but what I did, I circumnavigated Newfoundland, and man, oh man, that was just expedition of a lifetime. We were 175 passengers, and here's the thing on these ships. I think the passengers feed off of the expedition team, experts in their field. You know, this expedition team of Adventure Canada treated everyone like family. Um, As for Newfoundland, I don't know, Scotland, East Ireland, also the indigenous people, the salt of the earth. Everything about Newfoundland was just uh, was just just amazing, and um, my wife normally will come with me on many of these expeditions, but she decided to opt out on this one because we are going to Bora Bora and Tahiti from November 16th to December 1st, and the, and part of that journey is going to be three nights at the Four Seasons Bora Bora, our first over the water bungalows, and a cruise um, of seven days with variety cruises around Tahiti. So. She opted for that and said, I'll, I'll sit this one out, and, you know, and it was, uh, and, and, and now, now, she, now she kicks herself. I told her how amazing this journey was, circumnavigating Newfoundland, and we even went to France. We went to Saint-Pierre, so we actually had to give our passports in, and we, I have a, I have a stamp in my passport from France now. Wow. That's great. I have to ask about some of your likes and dislikes. So let's start with the good stuff. Favorite country, favorite city, favorite hotel, favorite restaurant? Well, let's see. You know, there's going to be a lot there. Um, to begin with, um, you know, I'm from, I'm from Greece, and, you know, I reside in Mexico. But that said, that said, Australia, New Zealand, the U.K. and Ireland, Spain, Portugal, Southeast Asia, Nepal, um, I remain even more, and the more I see of Africa, the more I want to see more. Um, the little bit that I've seen, loved it. Uh, the list is too long, really. 
favorite restaurants or cuisine, any taverna by the sea on a lesser visited Greek island, all forms of pizza, any form of pizza in Italy, street tacos anywhere in Mexico, food stalls in Asia. Uh, you mentioned airlines. Well, you, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't uh, yeah, say that you know, Qatar, Turkish Air, Singapore Airlines, Emirates are top-notch, all top-notch airlines. That sounds pretty good. How about some of your least favorite? Well, you know what? Anywhere I'm restricted from eating, drinking, interacting with locals, I don't know. I guess they're, they're parts of the Caribbean maybe that, you know, that maybe don't thrill me. And so not, not that it's a dislike, it's just that, I don't know, and I just maybe might see it as, as a kind of a nondescript island nation. But um, I believe that every destination has something to intrigue me. You know that? I really do. Okay, we're talking tonight with travel writer Nick Contis. Now, Nick, how do you eat when you're on the road? Are you like Anthony Bourdain, willing to try anything, even if you can't pronounce it? Pretty much. Pretty, you know, pr- pretty much I am. I mean, I once told uh, told Tony that uh, I ate tarantula in Cambodia, and I said, I'll never do it again. He just said, but, but you tried it. You tried it. You know, mm-hmm. most people wouldn't try it. And then last month while I was in Madrid at a Mexican restaurant, oddly I was in a Mexican restaurant in Madrid, and we served maguey worms, uh, crispy, smoky tacos with these these red fried worms. They actually make them, um, they're, they're fried and they're, they're, they're succulent taco fillings. That, that was good. But yeah, I'll try things. Yeah, but think about this, though. Surely in many parts of the world, someone thinks that McDonald's is, is disgusting or not, not, not their cup of tea, maybe. Somebody, you know, probably. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Now, you were saying that you feel travel changes you like no other experience. Can you elaborate on that? Well, didn't Twain say it really well? What did he say? Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Um, mm. And many people sorely need, sorely need, sorely need this on, on, on these accounts. Think about our leaders. They need it. God, I see sometimes he's running, running our, our great nation. Um, you might have a preconception about a country, right? Okay, certain countries get slammed. I remember hearing negative comments on El Salvador. Then I went there, I figured, El Salvador, it's not, not maybe Chechnya or somewhere where El Salvador, I'm going to be afraid in a Spanish-speaking country. Really, it's only two countries down from Mexico. And mm-hmm. I went there, and I dined with locals. People brought me into their homes, the kindest people I've ever met. So don't believe everything you, you, you hear. Go and explore it. But, yes, of course, travel changes you like anything else. Um, look at me. I, uh, I took a backpack on a, on a what was to be a two-month trip to Greece. I met a couple from Sweden who coerced me into, convinced me into going with them to India. I had to call my parents and say I'm not coming home. And I returned 13 months later, and what did I do? I started the first travel agency at the time, specializing in discount around the world airfares. Travel can inspire you to do great things or to find your, find your calling. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd like to add? Well, you know, you know me. You know, the world's a big place. Get off the couch. Mm-hmm. There's, more to, there's more, more to travel than the Travel Channel. Fully immerse yourself into local societies. 
I've seen so much of the, of, of the swaths of this planet of ours, and yet I've seen so little. Central Asia and the stands are channeling me, channeling me to, I want to visit one day. I've never been to the Silk Road, and I'm really, really, really dying to go. Uh, West Africa is also a region that I miss. Um, and I do want to go to Easter Island one day. So, okay, know, we're I getting, uh, this, I've got to wrap it up here. I guess tonight has been travel writer, author, and raconteur, Nick Contest. Thank you, Nick, for calling in to Travel It Radio. Guys, let's do it again. Okay, well, that's it for this edition of Travel It Radio. Next week, just in time for Veterans Day, we'll hear all about the ghost army of World War II from author Rick Beyer. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.